Yeah. Check it out. See, the only thing you need to do right here is snarl your freaking head. Boy, we're live on Blab I Am. It is June 7th, and it's episode 135. And this is the Fantasy Football Auctioneer Podcast. The Fantasy Football Auctioneer Podcast, the official podcast of the FantasyFootballAuction.com, the internet's only website dedicated to fantasy football auctions. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Fantasy Auction, or you can like us on Facebook. We are at Facebook.com backslash Fantasy Football Auctioneer. Got a great show for you tonight. Tonight, we're just, tonight, Slim and I are just going to have an informal little conversation about some fantasy football. We're going to start by looking at NFL news and who knows where that's going to take us from there. Probably talk about some other players and strategy and a lot more. But of course, our experts, well, but of course, only one of them, they're always here. I was going to uh, make a joke to Blister here on the intro about the Jamal Charles for David Johnson trade offer, but... We'll, let, we'll save that for another time. So we'll just move on to Slim. He's well-rested for not entering in one pick in the 2016 rookie draft in our dynasty draft this weekend. Slim, uh, you've been busy on the trading block, though. Will the real Slim Sadie please stand up? I repeat, will the real Slim Sadie please stand up? We're going to have a problem here. Untrue. Untrue, did you pick one? Pick. I traded him to you today. Lynch, Paxton oh, Lynch. Oh, yeah, Lynch. Okay. When did you got him more in the third? I didn't have that pick going into the draft. So I had to right trade right. a future third to get back in to get him. And then he's gone now. So, yeah, I'm back to zero rookies for this year. <laughs> well, I was, like I said, like we were saying off the air, I was happy with the trade offer. I uh, was trying to move Derek Carr. Uh, and, I mean, like you said in the – text after it's so hard to know how to value quarterbacks in this league so um i had been offering guys a second round pick even in 2016 for for david carr especially guys that have old aging quarterbacks or guys that are running quarterbacks or like in the you know 11 to qb 14 range or something like that but not even any feedback no counters nothing so when that came up, I thought this must this will be my time to pull the trigger, and then I thought the offer of the additional um, of the third in there too. Not to mention RG three, which is funny that he comes around and goes around. I had to laugh that now he's back on my roster. So I thought of that when I offered it too that you had him when we did our startup a few years ago. Yeah, he was going to be my the you can be the, the cornerstone of my franchise. Yeah. Well. And he may, who knows, maybe he still will be <laughs> now that he's in Cleveland. Easy. He won't be what do you, what do you think of him in Cleveland actually? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge believer. I, I, I think we kind of touched on this actually last pod, but, um, I, I mean, I think right now it's his job to lose. I'm just not convinced that he is going to not get injured slash play really bad. And Josh McCowan didn't look terrible last year, so I don't think they would hesitate to go to him. I mean, I'll be honest, when I did the trade, uh, RG3 was kind of not really worth much to me. Yeah. Captain Lynch had more value. I took him because I have Carson Palmer and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as my quarterbacks, uh, two old dudes, and I wanted to get some young guy that I could sit on for a year or two until Palmer was done. Um, I kind of like Lynch's upside if he gets a chance to learn. And then, like I said, I had to figured I had to add the pick because it had to be a good offer that you were gonna hopefully. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well yeah, because yeah, a little I mean, bit of an overpay is what it was gonna take, and whatever. Now I'm well, my big thing is I was sitting on him at Bortles, and uh, yeah. um. You know, had to move one because there's no sense that it's two in the same kind of quarterback, right? Similar type of rankings came in the league in the same year. So sitting on both of them is not, 
utilizing my assets well, I guess. So I wanted to make move. I was even willing to make a move. Uh, I had offered a few guys for older quarterbacks too, just even if they were going to end up on my bench, that I would still have a number two. Yeah. Um, but and that's, that's all right. It works sometimes. Uh, RG3 could be a good stopgap just as a bi week filler. Yeah. Portals and then see what you got with Lynch and then you probably cut RG3 at the end of the year or maybe who knows in another year depending how he does and by then Lynch is ready to be a full on starting QB and at least you know what you got with them. Maybe he flops yeah. and you move on but whatever. Now it's going to work uh, out both, well for both of us and I don't want to necessarily make this a dynasty uh, conversation, but it is dynasty uh, time, right? Yeah. It's easy, yeah. Um, but uh, did you, in the draft, I'm trying to think of the situation, did you intentionally trade at that moment to get Lynch, or did you make the trade a couple picks earlier and Lynch was still available? No, I targeted Lynch. I thought that Wentz and Goff would go a little bit earlier. And I don't have the data in front of me. Anyway, I ended up trading into the 310 to get Lynch. Okay. I know Blister took, uh, Wentz at the 309. And at about three, somewhere in the early third was finally when, uh, my initial plan was I contacted the owners that had the first few picks in the third that I might try and trade up there to get. I thought it would be Lynch. I figured, I figured Wentz and Goff would go at the end of the second. So I was okay with that. And then no QBs were gone, so I kind of was waiting, waiting. When Goff went at the top of the third, I think it was probably like 303 maybe, I started trying to contact owners. I kind of waited, and I figured he would – I knew the guy at 310 would move that pick. It was Fox who had 17 picks in this draft. uh, (laughs) 17. So I figured worst-case scenario was – or best-case scenario, both QBs either went and – Lynch were going to be there, and I could pick which one I wanted. Uh, but then Blister took him right ahead, so that left me to pick. Anyway. Okay. So once the 308 went and made their pick, and it wasn't a QB, I knew I could trade with the 310 and still get one of them, so I made that happen. And then, uh, rest is history. I mean, it was, it was good. It was a lot different than doing it on the bus, but uh, I had a good time at the draft, and I couldn't complain about the meal either. Wow. Yeah, I had the worst heartburn the next day from eating uh, two yeah, he, and a half racks of ribs right before. Oh, I just got uh, feedback from Blister who were waiting on, uh, Link doesn't work from his phone either, so I'm not sure what's going on. I'm just going to text him right now while we're uh, on the air and say, we are potting. Right. We'll get him next week. Oh, figure it out. Sorry, buddy. All right, so uh, Mr. Blister is out. Uh, Slim and I are here. We're going to talk some fantasy news and just kind of bounce around like we just currently did with some dynasty talk there. So let's uh, um, stop with that dynasty talk and get everything else rolling, Slim. So if you guys are ready, then I'm ready. Let's cock the hammer. It's time for action. All right, so um, like I said, we're going to have a nice little convo. I don't know where we're going to lead. We're going to look at some of the latest news that came out. Uh, we really like to follow our friends over 4 for 4. they got a great nice little uh, news feed there. It helps us from uh, having to do a whole bunch of digging ourselves. Um, Blister is uh, sending his regrets to the pod. Um, so I just wanted to, before we got things rolling, just to mention people that I sent out a little newsletter with our uh, to our email list the other day. It was entitled Three Ways to Win the One, Three Ways to the One Thing That'll Help You Win Your Fantasy Football Auction Draft. And in the letter, I outlined three different ways you can get discounts to the membership site, which uh, I've got a preview on the website right now. Um, you could also enter in a contest for a free subscription. So if you want to get on this list and uh, receive these offers, just go to our website, enter in your email address in uh, uh, to get access to the Five Ways to Win article which gives you five ways to win and three ways to lose uh, your fantasy auction draft. You fire your email in there. It'll put you on the email list, and I'll send you out some information on how you can get uh, either discounts on the membership site or enter in for a free subscription. If you're listening now, one way you can do it is you can um, go to iTunes or to Stitcher. You can subscribe. You can leave an honest review. You don't have to lie to us. Just uh, 
honest review, fire it on there. And then just fire us a tweet saying that you've uh, entered your name into, uh, entered your name and your, I guess your comments into iTunes or Stitcher. And then we'll throw you in the draw for a free subscription. So, uh, we're working on getting that membership area live. Blister's been sending me content fast and furious. So there is a little preview on the website, Slim. I don't know if you saw it. I put up there that just had some stuff that you could get from last year. Um, downloadable tiers of yours and my, uh, yours and blisters, my actual cheat sheet that I bring into the draft, those types of things. So I thought those might be valuable for, for new people to listen to and, uh, yeah. you know, get an idea from there. So no, that's good. Very choppy. What is he talking about right now? Is he listening to us? Yeah, it says he's on. I don't know. Oh, what the barnacles is happening? Let's say, hey, Blister, on this. Uh, we just lost a lot of listeners by you just saying that. What did they say? What, the barnacles? Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's too much time this in elementary school. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so let's take a quick look at uh, um, some news that's going on right now. Um, one that just came out from the Seahawks, it just, I mean, literally, as we were getting getting ready to pod here, was that CJ Procise is going to have a very specific and important role in the offense with uh, with Seattle. So the Seahawks view the third down back in a very specific, specific and important role. And all signs point to CJ Procise will be in that role. Um, so it looks like they're counting on him right now, as far as the beat writers are concerned, that CJ Procise is going to be a third down back in uh, in Seattle. Slim, any is that is any interest at all a rookie third down back heading into this draft? Yeah, I think there's some interest. I mean, especially if you're going RB zero, um, this to me is a it's a running back situation that is uh, a little bit up in the air. Obviously, I mean Thomas Rawls looked pretty good last year and then got injured, um, you know and one thing I always thought was before the draft happened um, that Seattle was never going to just give the keys to this offense, or at least the rushing offense, to a guy who was an undrafted free agent and not either bring in some kind of veteran competition or draft some competition. And they went out and drafted a couple running backs. Um, and I've always kind of thought this with, with – uh, Procise was that his skill set is super unique. I mean, he's a converted uh, wide receiver. So he, he's, I think, going to be used mainly, obviously, in the passing game. So um, I think in PPR leagues, he's definitely worth, you know, maybe a late stash. Uh, I mean, to me, it it's, depends on the type of offense they run, too. I mean, last year they kind of seemed to want to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands and let them just go out there and just – you know, go crazy a little bit. And we saw with Doug Baldwin's production and things like that. If they do that again, then I think it makes, you know, somebody like Kroos's, uh, you know, a pretty decent option. But, uh, I mean, definitely only worth a late stash for like a buck or something at the end of your draft, I think, unless, you know, some kind of injury happens in training camp. Because right now there's quite a few bodies there. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, so let's just uh, move on. I was scrolling down the list. One of the things that popped into uh, or caught my eye, I guess, on this list from earlier today is from the Miami Herald that the uh, Dolphins want to and are planning to play an up-tempo uh, offense this year. So the, the Dolphins offensive coordinator, Clyde Christensen, made this clear on Tuesday, which is today, that this team is going to play fast. Sometimes there will be no huddle, and other times it will mean quick huddles at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes when the game situations call for it, play caller slash, oh, well, anyways, they're going to get things that maybe coming in from the sideline. They're going to really change the tempo, but it sounds like they're going to play some more up-tempo stuff, which can only mean good things, Slim, for fantasy football, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, this is good news, I think, to any Landry, Parker owner, even Tannehill owners, even though you know, I'm personally not super high on Tannehill, but... Uh, I loved when they hired Adam Gase. I, I've liked the things that he's done the last few years with Denver and Chicago. Um, you know, I own Devontae Parker and I really like it for him in the sense that Gase really likes to take his number one receivers and get them a lot of targets, which he has in the past. So I think he's going to see uh, a lot of looks this year in his second year. 
Uh, I think Jarvis and Jarvis Landry owners are pumped because I mean, I think last last year they're twenty sixth in total plays run. The Dolphins, yep. uh, to me, that only goes up. Uh, looking at the stats, I mean, his couple of years in Denver, they finished first and seventh in total plays. Granted, there was you know a little bit different uh, quarterback in the offense, but still, I mean, yeah. I, I don't project the Dolphins' defense to be uh, really super strong anyway, especially their back end. Uh, so they could give up quite a few points, and this could mean a lot of shootouts. And, um, you know, the running game could be a little bit suspect in terms of running between the tackles. We'll see here how Jai can can hold up there. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. And, you know, that's why somebody even like we talked about last week, Laurent, uh, Leontay Carew was a, maybe a little interesting uh, deep flyer for you to take as a wide receiver because um, yeah. uh, if they go in a lot of three wide receiver sets trying to speed things up uh, that could just be in targets for him and that's going to be good yeah, nothing wrong with up tempo and garbage time right those are fantasy uh, <laughs> fantasy gold dudes. <laughs> yes um, and then uh, just speaking of uh, late Late stash, uh, crew went excessively late, I thought, in our dynasty rookie. Yeah. No? Yeah, I was surprised. I can't remember exactly when it was. I wish I had. Uh, late second-ish? Yeah, feel, at least. At least, maybe third? Anyways, interesting. And the Dolphins fan ended up getting him despite him yeah. being on the board for so long. The Dolphins um, fan that had Landry and Parker yeah, last year. Got rid of Parker because he didn't want to have two guys from the same team and then he drafted. <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Well, hey, that's, that's good for everybody else. All right. Um, moving on, Slim. Chip Kelly's, uh, calling 49ers running back Carlos Hyde a three down back. Um, I've only seen one Carlos Hyde and the Carlos Hyde I, ha- um, I know has been healthy and a full goal. And our style and scheme adapts to whoever it is. Um, but he certainly has the skill set to be an outstanding running back at this level because he can do everything. So they're looking at him to be a three-down back. Uh, Slim, what do you think? Carlos Hyde three-down back this year as a 49ers fan and also as a fantasy football player? Uh, can he? Yeah, I- I think he can. Um, I know that's clearly, I mean, before even before Chip Kelly said this, I, I know that was the, the desire for him. Uh, last year in the six games that he played, he had 11 receptions, which isn't great, but granted, uh, I think it was going to be a little bit of a different offense than what they ran last year. So, I mean, I, I don't see why they would have to take him off the field. For third downs, uh, does that mean he's going to catch a ton of passes? I am not yet sold on that. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, if he can show that he can pass block, which it seems like he's been able to do all right, yeah. I don't see why they can't use him as a third down running back. And, you know, all they had to do is mix in, even if he catches three passes a game. I mean, that's right. makes the PPR viable. Uh, obviously going to boost him a little bit in non-PPR leads. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think just because we hear that, we have to assume, oh, man, he's going to be Matt Forte out there. Right, right, right. I don't it's think not, that's yeah. the case. He's not getting 100 targets. Yeah, no. I mean, and I, he doesn't. he's not going to have to. I mean, the good thing is that, again, this, this team's going to be pretty bad, I think. What worries could be worrisome is, uh, again, if they get down big, that means less – probably touches for Hyde. I mean, I don't think if they just go into straight hurry up or a complete passing down, I don't know if Hyde is just going to be the sole back in the field for situations like that. I mean, so if they're getting blown out in the second half, uh, you know, he might not be on the field in those situations. I, you know, Hopefully they keep the games close. I, I'm a little skeptical about that. I think this team's going to be pretty bad again this year. Yeah. And uh, they might even be willing to you know, not to use the word tank, but trying to finish with as good a pick as possible for next year. Right. <laughs> That's the proper word. So, the pro- I don't know how many games they'll be really, really in to win. And, 
maybe even trying to win. We'll see. Right. So, I mean, if he's going to be a three-down back, maybe catch a couple of passes, I mean, what would you think? Is he a 15 to 20 touch guy? Oh, I think for sure he's 15. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at my rankings. I got him as my RB17. Um, again, some, I think that's probably kind of average for where you'd find him. I know you guys are a little bit lower. I've seen him a little bit higher in some people's rankings. I'm not ready to move him up that high yet. I mean, in PPR leagues, I still like guys like Deion Lewis more than him. Uh, I even like C.J. Anderson a little bit more than him still. So, I mean, he could, depending on what happens in training camp and stuff, and uh, you know, preseason games, I'm not ruling out the possibility of moving him up my rankings slightly. Um, I just need to see what this offense looks like a little bit first, I think, before I get too excited about news like this um, and start jumping them up my, my rankings here. Right, and coach speak, right? Yeah, again, like we talked about this before, it's a time of year where everybody is pumping the tires of all the players on their teams. Um, so things have to be taken with a grain of salt here right now, but Definitely stuff to pay attention to, though. Right. Right. Okay. So, hey, now, speaking of paying attention to some stuff, I think this was interesting as I scrolled through this coming out this morning uh, from the Detroit Lions. The Lions wide receiver, Golden Tate, uh, talking about the offenses that were starting from scratch. So, Alan Park's been uh, putting in a new offense over the offseason, and it's very different from the one the Lions ran even in the second half of last season. And Golden Tate's talking about right now in OTAs that they've started off right from scratch. The calls are different. The signals are different from the top to the bottom. It's new, and we're just taking it day by day. Um, I don't know. When I when I hear something like that, Slim, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it doesn't make me overly excited about that offense in general. Not that I necessarily was, but um, – if you're starting from scratch and the whole the whole offense right now is, I mean, going day by day, it doesn't give me a whole lot of optimism heading into the season for guys like Ebron, who you should or could be high on, or Golden Tate now that Mega's gone. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. It's kind of an offense that I'm trying to avoid to some extent. I mean, I, I like the upside of Ebron. I just think that, where he goes with the tight end position, there's just going to be a lot of guys on in that tier that you know you might want to try to go to. Um, I think maybe there could be some hype on Ebron too, might overprice him a little bit for where he'll actually finish fantasy wise. Um, but you know, to me, Tate is the safest bet. Yeah. I think uh, at least him and Stafford have some rapport. I mean, Arvin Jones is coming in; he hasn't taking a snap with Stafford in a, in a game yet. So uh, Stafford knows what he's got with Tate. Tate's a veteran. I mean, I think he should be able to pick up the offense. Uh, but, again, yeah, I don't like the fact that there's turnover. I mean, Calvin Johnson's leaving. Uh, Amir Abdul's a young player. Ebron's a young player. Um, all these guys have to learn this stuff coming in. And even Tate, as a veteran, if it's if it's new, he's still got to learn it. Um, you know, so... Stafford never gave me tons of confidence either. So right. with him having to learn this and make the right reads and things like that, sometimes decision-making isn't his best attribute. Um, I think we could be in for some growing pains, I think, with this Detroit offense for sure. And uh, just when we were getting things set up and sending out the link on Twitter, the uh, who was, I think Rum for Johnny had retweeted via Rotoviz that in best ball is Marvin Jones, his ADP is slightly on the rise right now. And I would think that this type of information doesn't necessarily bode well for an ADP riser. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I, I, what the, the explanation for that yeah. would be, unless people, you know, best ball, they just expect some big games, and we know Stafford can some days, you know, put up 60 pass attempts. So on those games, maybe Marvin Jones the beneficiary. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I think Golden Tate is going to be an interesting guy to watch as a buy low going into this year. I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too. 
Um, I think that's a pretty safe place to put him. Um, and with all the wide receivers that are out there right now, I think guys like him might be kind of forgotten about a little bit in drafts, and you'll yeah. see guys, you know, reaching for, you know, Dante Moncrieffs and Jordan Matthews and Michael Floyds and things like that. I think, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Golden Tate finishes ahead of all those guys. So, um, again, these veteran guys that could be a little bit forgotten about on draft day are some of these guys you're going to want to watch. Okay, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention one of the better names in NFL coaching, Jim Bob Cooter, when you're talking about the Lions. Uh, yes. It's just it's awesome. Anyways, uh, moving on, uh, another one that I thought might be a little bit interesting, even though it, we knew it's going to be messy, the Dolphin, Dolphins are talking about uh, how they want their running backs to play all three downs. And, uh, I mean, we've already spoke to the passing game and maybe the quicker offense with the Dolphins, but – what about this news here that they want their running backs to be be able to be in there for all three downs and maybe, you know, some of the outlook we can look at for Kenyon Drake or Ajayi if if either of them are even that interesting? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you this if you're a Jay, Ajayi owner, this has to make you happy. To me, this is one of the things, though, that is – could very well be coach speak. I mean, um, I just don't see Ajayi being ready necessarily to handle a ton of touches, um, you know, say 300 plus, anything like that. Um, and who knows? I could very well be wrong. I mean, I never really was high on him, mainly because of the injury yeah. coming out. Um, I don't necessarily like running backs with degenerative knee problems. So, I think he's a ticking time bomb in that sense. Um, so, yeah, and, I mean, if we look at, say, what happened last year in Chicago, uh, Matt Forte, he got a lot of touches still, but Jeremy Langford was still involved uh, in Denver before that. Ronnie Hillman, C.J. Anderson kind of split time. I, I'm not sure that Ajayi is necessarily – that much better than Kenyon Drake where he can just say, you know, keep Drake off the field yeah. all the time. Um, so as much as I would want to believe it as an Ajayi owner, I'm kind of going to fade this this comment a little bit by case until I see it. Um, and we might not see this until the regular season because I can't see them, you know, using Ajayi a ton in the preseason and risking uh, an injury. So this might be one that we got to wait and see. And if you're a non-believer, you can, might be able to get Kenyon Drake at quite a discount here. Now, I mean, is Gase talking like this because they're talking about this new uh, up-tempo offense? And if you're going to have an up-tempo offense, you can't be running a lot of substitutions and doing that type of thing. So they need to have backs that are going to be able to pass pro and catch passes and run the football. So, I mean, I it- think that's a great point. I, that was something I kind of was thinking about um, yeah, I mean, if you want to be up-tempo, the whole point of going up-tempo is uh, to keep the defense from substituting. And in order to do that, you can't substitute either. So, um, yeah, I think they'd love to see somebody like the Jai stay out there, you know, for uh, six, eight plays straight if they wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's all part of the plan. I'm sure they're going to work on that a ton and OTAs and things, and yeah. we'll have to see where it goes. But uh, that's a good point there. And, I mean, and it all that type of thing always comes down to pass pro. I mean, that's just yeah. what it comes down to. I know, that's, to, your, right? your, that's one of the things that you hang your hat on. Yeah, well. Pro. And, and well, rightfully so. I mean, yeah. if you can't protect a quarterback in obvious passing situations when you know that the defense is pinning their ears back and you're going to send you know, five, maybe six even, then, yeah, this running back has to be able to pick up this blitz. So, um, and we know Miami's had issues in the past right? as far as keeping Panahill from getting drilled. So it's going to be more important than ever for sure. All right. Um, let's uh, move on to another wide receiver and uh, take a look at Sean Payton. He's talking about Willie Sneed, who should uh, really take a big step this year. Now on PPR, Boy. Willie Sneed was uh, number 34 in PPR formats. And uh, Sean Payton's really liking what he's seeing. He's re- uh, 
he received a lot of playing time a year ago. He's someone that's training very well. He's smart, and I think we can see a big step just from his experience and his comfort level in what we're doing. He talks about him being attentive and paying attention to detail and finding the right holes in zone coverage and understanding the man-to-man situations. So with, you know, the good Michael Thomas showing up there as dynasty owners are uh, referred to him sometimes and, uh, you know, guys like uh, Brandon Coleman there and, and Colby Fleener now there, we're not worried about Willie Sneed at all? You're still excited about him heading into this year? I like him. I mean, I to me, I feel like there is going to be a lot of targets to go around. Now, granted, they've brought in pieces to try and fill those targets. Um, I think last year they tried to balance things out. They wanted to run the ball more and get Ingram a lot of touches. Um I don't think it necessarily worked out really well for them. And the defense wasn't great. Uh, now though, they, they came in, they got rid of someone like Ben Watson, who was, uh, and, and who was, you know, pretty reliable. Not flashy, but reliable. And brought in Colby Fleener, who's kind of more of the Jimmy Graham mold, this big, you know, this big play kind of tight end. Uh, Michael Thomas is coming in. He's a more athletic Marcus Colston. Um, who, you know, I think is going to get some targets and for sure some red zone targets. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Sean Payton sits down this year and says, you know what, it's worked really well for us to keep things kind of opened up. And last year they kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, Seems to me like they're bringing in personnel to maybe set the tone to open things up again. Um, So I like Snead. I think, you know, last year he had 101 targets according to 4 for 4. Um, I have a hard time seeing him getting a lot more than that with who they've brought in. I mean, Brandon Cooks is going to get targets. I think Colby Fleener gets targets. I think Michael Thomas is going to get some. Again, I think he'll be more important in the red zone. Um, Brandon Coleman, I'm not necessarily... I think he's going to have a hard time getting on the field. Uh, but I think Willie Sneed, you know, he showed... He, he surprised, I think, everybody, it's safe to say, last year. Uh, I got him as my wide receiver 38, so kind of this low-end wide receiver 3 type guy. I think there's right. some upside there, especially if they decide to open things up, like I said. Um, so, yeah, I think for sure he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, and when you start getting that deep, I mean, if I could take guys pick over, you know, I like him more than Marvin Jones. I like him more than Dorio Green Beckham. I think he'll be a more consistent weekly producer in PPR leagues. So to me, he's a guy I want as a, you know, some back end filler uh, on my roster this year. Just to throw it out there, when we're looking at PPR, I'm not looking at fantasy rankings, but just people in his ballpark as far as stat lines go. Um, I'm looking at him right now at 15 games played and 69 receptions for just under a thousand yards, and that is on 101 targets. That puts him comparable to Anquan Bolden, who had 69 receptions for under 800 yards. T.Y. Hilton, who had 69 receptions for 1,100 yards. Um, Amari Cooper, 72. Um, even Gronk had 72. Kelsey, 72. So all kind of in that ballpark when we're looking at BPR. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we always look at, you know, touchdowns are variable and dependent from year to year. Um, right. Travis Benjamin at uh, – 68 receptions too, so it's interesting. Interesting neighborhood there, right? Yeah, well, that's one thing. Like I, I, he to me went kind of under the radar last year a little bit. I think just mainly because of his stature, his draft pedigree, all these things. Everybody just kind of thought that this guy was never going to work out. And you're right. I, you know, to me, I look more for potential targets uh, than, say, touchdowns and things because targets correlate to fantasy points better than predicting touchdowns. Uh, so I think that, you know, if I know he's going to get roughly 100 targets, that's not too bad for a guy who can be my wide receiver three potentially or maybe even right. my wide receiver four uh, with some upside. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, 
It's a decent company there. And yeah, they're, you know, T.Y. Hilton, he'll probably go up. Amari Cooper, I expect him to go up after his rookie season. But I mean, some of those other names, you know, Anquan Bolden, not flashy, but still has been a yeah. really reliable, um, kind of target receiver over the last few years. You know what you're going to get with him. Uh, and, well, you know, I just, wrong, and I just quickly wrong. looked at targets to throw, um, to throw that again into comparison, right? Because yeah, he's not a big name, but, uh, Alan, uh, but when you put him in with everybody else, uh, his numbers are interesting. Alan Hearns at 105 targets, uh, Moncrief 105, uh, Baldwin 103, Marvin Jones 103, John Brown 101, uh, Sammy Watkins at 98. Now that was only on, or 96, it's only on, uh, 13 games, but like that's where a hundred, that's what a hundred targets looks like. And, Let's face it, every one of those guys you name will go probably a lot higher for more cash. a lot more money than he'll yeah. get, right? I mean, maybe the closest guy would be right. Alan Hearns this year to him. And I bet you he right. goes, you know, 10 spots ahead of him. So, yeah, to me, he's uh, a nice buy low candidate this year for sure because of that target correlation. Do you Riddick 99 targets and Devonta Freeman 97 targets? Yep. Crazy. Yep. For sure. And they'll get Danny Woodhead 100 and, uh, 106? Who's that? Oh, Danny Woodhead 106 targets. That's how you finish as a number three. Nutty. Right? Yeah, it's nutty. Nutty. You just start kind of breaking down those numbers and taking a look at the overalls. Like, uh, I can't even believe I mean, Pierre Garçon had a 111 targets. I know. And I, and, to me, what you're doing is an excellent exercise for everybody to do. You should go and look at the targets everybody got last year and and try and sit, look and say, okay, do I expect an uptick? Uh, the same? Do I expect less? What's changed with that offense? You know, whether it's a different offensive coordinator, or different personnel, because it's it's proven. I mean, there's a reason why Danny Woodhead was undervalued last year. Theo Riddick was super undervalued by pretty much everybody. And they produced, yeah. became these weekly guys you could start because of the volume of targets that they get. And, I mean, you don't have to be a super talented player as long as you're getting a lot of passes thrown your way. So, uh, right. you know. And even as a wide receiver three, you catch uh, 60% of, the, of those targets. You know, you're a 60 catch, three scores. That's right. And you spent four dollars on them. Yep. Doing pretty good. Uh just to just to put in comparison, Julio Jones two hundred and three targets last year. Well yeah, I mean but Yeah. But I mean well over two hundred is big. Yep. Oh yeah. Um and I'm just looking on a website, I just typed in NFL data and uh, I'm click and I'm on footballdb.com. Uh seem to kinda have a lot of everything on there. Even has weather history on it or that like data, so I don't know if that has any relevance to you. But wow. um, just it's where I am right now. Goosh, welcome, Mister Goosh. Feel free to uh, jump on and join in the cam, or just uh, visit and watch. No comment, which is rare. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Nothing. I thought if I. Hope the bear there, the bear, huh? Good. Hope the bear fan. No, nothing. All right. Um, so yeah, so Willie Steed, that interesting, um, dynasty owner, by the way. Well, I think uh, that's why you picked that, that topic. No, I didn't. I just thought it'd be, it, it's it, interesting because right now everyone's talking rookies and, you know, oh, Kobe Fleener, maybe he can be the new Jimmy Graham and, you know, these types of things and, and yet this guy that was so under the radar heading into last year, no one was expecting a whole lot out of him. And so look at that. It made for interesting uh, conversation. Yeah. I like Can that. I pick one topic? Because I think we yeah, give miss if we don't talk. Well, maybe you had it coming up. Yes. I think we have to talk oh, about it. And, in fact, I'm going to throw it to you. I'm going to take this. We'll spin it all right. I want to talk about the right. running back situation. Because I've been doing a lot of reading on it lately and all these things. So, uh, there's a talk that they're going to use a running back by committee type approach, which I think most people right. were, you know, if you would have asked two weeks ago, 
most people would have said, well, this is David Johnson's backfield and that's it. But, um, so yeah, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think Chris Johnson is going to have a, a role in this offense? Do you think this is just, uh, Bruce Arians being some type of motivational coach speak here or something? What, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I don't know. I think that, I mean, obviously, coach speak, you always have to take that into account, especially this time of year. But I think that Arians kind of proved the point when they, when they brought Chris Johnson in. I don't think they were expecting him to be able to do what he did. They were maybe hoping and that was like ceiling of all things, but they rode the hot hand. Like if when he was going, he was going right. And they weren't afraid to keep feeding him the rock. And, uh, he was getting a ton of touches. I mean, I'd love to actually pull up that info while we're talking, but it's, uh, um, I don't know. It's interesting because everyone does talk, you know, David Johnson. And I mean, now I mean, we've been so much in, um, in rookie mode here that, or dynasty mode, sorry, that he's this big name and, you know, a top three dynasty back and whatever. But I mean, it, I always get, I get nervous when we look at sample size, right? And, yeah. you know, so many people are in that mode of what have you done for me lately, but yet don't think about it. What have you done for me in the last 14 games? It's, you know, the last four games. Oh, okay. He's the be all end all, right? And, uh, yeah. And I think that that's some of the stuff when you look at Devonta Freeman too, right? Like if you're just looking at overall season stats, you're thinking, you know, holy crap, here's a, a must-have guy. But when you look at how we tapered off at the end of last season, right? Like, I mean, those are all things you always have to consider. And uh, coach speak, take that for what it is. But I think he's – I think Arians – if Chris Johnson comes out and busts a couple of big ones week one, then he's going to give him the football again. I think he's a good enough coach to realize that uh, – you know, he's not going to play favorites. You're playing to win a Super Bowl because that's their goal, right? Yeah. Does that make I sense? Agree. I agree. Uh, I think even more so for me, I don't think Chris Johnson has to break big ones. I don't think he has to, he's not asked to do that really. To me, that's yeah. David Johnson's job now. He's this athletic guy that doesn't seem to want to run between the tackles, likes to bounce everything outside and try and take, you know, a five yard gain for 40 which sometimes he does. The problem with David Johnson is a lot, he has a lot of rushes where he gets one yard and this is what separates. And this is why I think Chris Johnson now maybe is going to be uh, more viable in this offense because I look at it from a perspective of the coaching staff where we have a solid defense. We have an old quarterback. Yeah. Uh, a pretty decent offensive line. I mean, they got Mike Iapati playing guard for them, who is a, a road grader in terms of run blocking. I mean, you want a guy yeah. who's going to run between the tackles and pick up three, four yards. It keeps your offense flowing. It gets you into second and third and short manageable situations where Carson Palmer isn't having to drop back constantly. And I think what hurt David Johnson was that at times he was – killing that offense by only picking up one yard or no gain and leaving them in second, third and long where it forced them to become one dimensional at times. And yeah, David Johnson, if you give him a seam, he can, uh, he could do stuff with it. But I mean, as a coaching staff, can you keep taking that risk of him not doing anything for so long and just crossing your fingers that he is going to break something out there. So to me, I think as we're seeing, I, I I wouldn't doubt if they do go by this running back by committee. I think game script will be dependent. Are they winning or losing kind of thing? And um, not to say David Johnson won't be viable, but if you, to me, if you have him as say your top three uh, fantasy running back this year, you could be in for a little bit of a letdown if he starts to lose touches. Right. Well, and I'm looking at game logs right now, and Chris Johnson, I mean, I, I think that hot hand is kind of the proven pick here just in game logs. Uh, I mean, you yeah. know, week, uh, um, week two, he's at uh, 20 touches, tw- then 22, uh, 20 again if you count receptions. And then you look later on into late October, it's – you know, 
30 rushes, 25 rushes, right? Like, and those are rushing attempts, 30 rushing attempts. Chris Johnson, who's a band-aid, 30 rushing attempts, 25 rushing attempts. And then you look at David Johnson, um, you know, right after those sets of games, he's at 22 and 20 and 29. And, um, and what happened? Yeah. What happened in that play? Remember? Right. Chris Johnson he, got injured. He didn't play. That's right. And right. boom, right? And so not afraid. Like, the, I mean, if you're going to be given a guy 29 or 22 carries the week right after Chris Johnson's uh, done, um, you're just you're game planning and you're seeing, hey, you know what? He's uh, averaging with shows here four and a half yards per carry. Um, you know, maybe busted off that 23 yarder fairly early, and boom, here we go. Give him the rock, and and who are you playing against? And that was against St. Louis, right? So um, I don't know. I think hot hand is going to be. Something they're definitely going to go to. I think he's a smart enough coach to to do that too, right? Yeah, I, I just don't think now. I mean, if they're just going to give David Johnson say eighty percent of the touches, I'm guaranteed. Right. Right. Like, I mean, so I, I you know, Ezekiel Elliott could very well easily leapfrog him in terms of fantasy production this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's buyer beware with a guy like David Johnson now. If you're going to go and spend, uh, just let me look here when the RBs were going, well, top three RBs were kind of going for, you know, upwards of 50, you know, close to 60 bucks. Yeah. And if I'm going to spend $60 on David Johnson, if I want to know that I'm getting the majority of the touches, like right. Levy and Bell does when he's healthy and Todd Gurley and yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, um, I mean, in the dynasty world, yeah, I can get him being a higher value because of the frail nature of Chris Johnson, let's say, right? And, uh, I mean, he's – David Johnson's a hit away from being the 20-touch guy every week. But if Chris Johnson's healthy, then roll the dice, man. Yeah, well, if I can get Le'Veon Bell at a discount coming off an injury or something like that, uh, I'll take him over David Johnson every day of the week and, yeah. and redraft this year. Uh, yeah, no, so I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. Hey, Slim, um, we were talking about trying to make this a little bit shorter. I think we're pushing yeah. the 45 minute mark. So I like it. We went through some good stuff and, uh, hit, hit some news points and it took us off into a couple little tangents, which is good too and situational stuff. And it's hard to find a lot of, uh, like, auction specific stuff to talk about right now but uh like we like we always do we didn't refer to oh i would um you know wouldn't look at david johnson in the second round referring to that as auction values and doing those things because that's uh first and foremost in our minds all the time so yeah so where we're not talking fancy auction strategy um that's just how we work right it's not looking at the at the rounds and those types of things. We're looking at tiers and rankings and, and uh, Benjamin stuff. We didn't actually well, talk about Travis. That's a good point. I think now's the time. You should, hopefully you're building your rankings. What, I, what I'm doing is I'm taking a look at those rankings and trying to, whether you're comparing them to values from the years past, um, but I'm trying to figure out, you know, what are the top guys going to go for and, see how the trickle effect kind of works. Where is the tier break starting? Where do you kind of expect them to show up? Even just in your tiers, where is there a big tier break where those are places that you want to maybe avoid and look for value somewhere else? But, uh, yeah, it's definitely not too early to start thinking about, you know, what are certain players going to cost? Trying to to spot some values that potentially emerge in the next couple months. And I like the... I mean, I've been listening to some business podcasts too, so I'm going to steal from them the actionable item that you threw out there. So that you know, an exercise that people should be doing is going through stats and and those types of things from last year and seeing some of those um, those areas like a Willie Sneed at a hundred targets and what does that look like and who does he compare to and starting to build your stuff off of that. I'd be interested um, for people who are listening to fire his tweets and emails to say. Hey, you know what? I really thought that this stat line was interesting because I went through targets or I went through rushing attempts or um, yak yardage or something like that, uh, and made some comparisons and maybe find some deals out there. 
Yeah, to me, looking through targets is big. Even just to, I mean, I'll, I'll use Theo Riddick as an example. I mean, until I went near, the, I think it was right near the end of last season, I remember going through the targets, and I couldn't believe how many he had. And I didn't own him anywhere, whether it was redraft or dynasty or anything. Yeah. So I was who, surprised by who 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 and, did? Well, I know Blister, Blister owned him, in and, a, but like, and what do you do? Win leagues, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, and I mean, I think it's a good exercise to just see, you know, how valuable uh, targets are to and how they do correlate to fantasy points, and uh, it might change your draft strategy this year. It might let you target players that you never thought about targeting before. Uh, it's just a really interesting thing for you to get a better gauge on how to value uh, different types of players, whether it's, you know, these infamous third down running backs, pass catching running backs, PPR running backs, whatever we want to call them. Um, and that's but these are the kind of guys that are going to give you an edge. If you get guys like that as an RB3 or something, then, you know, you're getting RB2, maybe even RB1, you know, in the case of someone like Danny Woodhead last year, upside, then, I mean, that's championship stuff. That's how, that's the stuff that wins titles for you. So this is where you're going to get an edge on a lot of the competition right now. Yeah, exactly. Awesome stuff. So if you, um, over the next week, while you're waiting for the next podcast, come will find some interesting stat lines. Uh, don't be afraid to uh, share with us. Your league, your league mates, uh, you know, they don't follow Slim all that much, so you can tweet them at me so I can find out the interesting uh, stat lines and we'll leave Slim out of it, but just kidding. Um, but yeah, tweet us some stuff that you found that was interesting out there and uh, it'd be interesting to see what the listeners um, are finding through some of those stat databases. Yeah. Um, so, okay, anyways, we were going to try to cut this uh, to be under an hour, and of course, uh, the way that we work, we seem to naturally push to that point, but we are under an hour, so let's uh, cut it at that. Head on to the website, uh, check out the membership pre- the membership preview. It's got some of the stuff that we had last year that was available to uh, members only. And if you're interested in finding out a little bit how to get some discounts on the membership, uh, then sign up for the five ways to win article. Not only will you get that article, but I'll also send you out the information on how you can get some discounts. That's thefantasyfootballauction.com. We have our current uh, off-season rankings that are up. All three of us have them up there. And as soon as we can get some auction values rolling, we'll get those uh, posted and um, some of that uh, value indicator stuff set up for you guys too. Be on the lookout for the membership site to launch here. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping probably somewhere mid-month if I can get that planned properly while I'm on the trip to the T-Dot next month. Good times. Anyways, uh, um, we missed Blister tonight, so hopefully we'll have him him on again uh, next week. And uh, Slim, hopefully I don't see you walking up and down and I have to wave and honk to you too soon. And, <laughs> and uh, for everybody else, I'll see you when it's springtime in the Rockies. When it's spring time in the Rockies, I'll be coming back.